Thank you, Ron. Really appreciate that. Welcome, everybody. We are glad that you are here today. Today we are entering the second week of Advent. And if you're like me, um, I did not grow up um, celebrating Advent. It was not a, um, it was the Christmas season, but talking about Advent, what it meant was um, not anything that I had experience with up to a couple years ago. Um, and it's been one of these things that I have really come to enjoy. And so I wanted to take a few moments just for some explanation a little bit of what is Advent. And the reality is this. We live in a time where we know that Jesus has already come. Jesus came and we take this time over these four weeks leading up to Christmas to remember that promise. Remember that reality that Christ has come. But also we remember, or I'm sorry, also we anticipate his coming again. So it's a little bit of this tension between remembering that he came, but also waiting in anticipation and believing that he is going to come again. So that is what the Advent season is about. Last week we talked about the hope candle. And this week, we're going to focus on the theme of faith. And one of the things that I've been trying to do in my own personal life is I'm trying not to take myself so seriously. I am one that normally is a pretty serious guy. I don't laugh a ton, probably because I'm not that funny. But because of this, I tend to take myself a little too seriously. And I'm trying to work on this. And I need your guys' help this morning. Okay? So we're going to do a kind of an all-play fun thing this morning, I think, and if nothing else, it's a good discipline for me not to take myself so seriously. So, in the kids' ministry, Luke, our children's pastor, our kids' pastor, has used um, some hand motions to help the children remember what Advent is all about. And the reality is, Daniel spoke on this last week, you are not going to remember very much of what I say this morning, and that's okay, I've come to terms with that, I'm not offended by that, but the reality is, if we move, if we use our bodies, there's a greater chance that we will remember. So guess what? We're going to get to move a little bit today, all right? So you're going to see up on the screen, but this is what's going on in our kids' ministry. So if you've dropped kids off there, if you're thinking about maybe one day I'll drop them off in there, these are some of the things they're learning. And then when you go home today, this is something that you can do. And if you don't have kids at home, just do it in front of the mirror. It's a lot of fun. All right, so here we go. So uh, we're going to do it twice, just so everyone's fully aware. First time is going to be a little bit of a practice, but by the second time, I expect you guys to nail it. The 9 o'clock did fantastic. Let's show them that the 1020 can do better, okay? So, first of all, why do we celebrate Advent? So we shrug our shoulders. Why do we celebrate Advent? To remember and to celebrate. Shake your hands. This is the fun part. Shake your hands. To celebrate King Jesus' birth and to remember that he is returning to earth. Okay? Not too bad. Okay, let's do this one more time, all right? Okay, here we go. Why do we celebrate Advent? To remember... And to celebrate King Jesus' birth and to remember that he is returning to earth. Well done. You guys totally dominated the nine o'clock. Good work. Good work. Good work. But again, these are the things that, it's things like that that help us remember why we do what we do. And we are here, and as we anticipate the Christmas season and Christmas Day, we are remembering that Christ came, but we are also anticipating that He is coming again. 
So if you have your Luke books, go ahead and pull them out. Um, so if you're new, we're going through these Luke books from now until Easter. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. And so with this, this is just the CSB translation with a page for notes right next to it. And our hope is over these next several months that you will go through, whether it's in your morning quiet time or here at church on Sunday, that you will bring them and that we will go through this together. And as we preach, we may encourage you to write some notes down, highlight this, put a definition down. Again, all of this is to help you remember the things that we've said in order to be able to be able to apply it to our life. Okay, so today we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. And so if you've got your book, that's on page 18. If you want to go ahead and go to page 18, you can go to page 18. That's where we're going to be today. A couple of notes with these. First of all, they are all blue and they all look identical. So what am I going to encourage you to do? Write your name in them. Because I know we don't ever forget anything here on Sunday mornings, but if several of you forget these on Sunday mornings, we don't know who to reach out and get them back to. So go ahead and write your name in it. Super helpful. Okay? Second thing is this. Um, we have created a little bookmark that you can pick up on your way out if you didn't get one on your way in. So it's a, Advent, it's a little bit of a reading guide. So it's got an Advent reading, so four weeks of Advent reading that you can do with your household um, on your own. Four weeks there, you flip it over. It's the rest of the Gospel of Luke broken up into a reading plan that's a couple chapters a week. So not a lot, but a couple chapters a week, and we'll go through it together. And by the time we hit Easter, you will have read through the entire book of Luke. And so pick those up. If you are someone who doesn't like uh, actually having a book, bookmarks, but like to do things digital, I don't understand you, but I know that you exist, you can go to the info hub, go to yourcalvary.info backslash Luke, and this is digitally on there, the reading plan. So even if you drop this, you want to find it again, you can go there, access it there, it'll be digitally there as well. But we would encourage you to, um, to go ahead and pick one of those up and read along with us as we go through the book of Luke. One final thing, and then we're going to get into God's Word. If you remember one thing, this is what I would like for you to write, maybe write it at the top. Faith is hope in action. Faith is hope in action. And we're going to keep coming back to that, but that, that's where we're going to, the definition we're going to use for today. All right. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought the child Jesus to perform what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, the light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people, Israel. His father and mother, so Mary and Joseph, were amazed at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the, rise, the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your soul, that thoughts of many hearts 
may be revealed. We'll go ahead and stop right there. I think one thing that's important for us to recognize when we read through Scripture that it is good for us and healthy for us to recognize the characters that we read about in Scripture, not as the exception. So as we read and notice the lives of characters in the Bible, we shouldn't look and view them as, man, they were so holy or they were so great and we put them up on a pedestal and say we could never live lives like them. They are not meant to be the exception. They are meant to be an example They are meant to be a model for us to follow and to emulate. And this is the reason, and that's why one thing I love about the the scriptures and the Bible is that they're full of stories. And that's how Jesus taught. Jesus taught with stories. Because when we start, when we tell stories about people, we are able to put ourselves into the story. It, It works almost as a mirror as we put ourselves in and say, okay, how can I live like this person or how can I interact, be a part of this interaction? And so today, as we look at the life of Simeon and Anna, let's look at them and let's see them as a lens through how we can live our life and what example or model can we get from their lives to apply to our own and emulate. So first of all, from Simeon's life with Jesus' encounter with him, I think it's important for us to notice how Simeon is described. He's described as righteous and devout and is said that the Holy Spirit was on him. Now that word righteous, if you want to circle it, highlight it, it means, that is, it means a life lived in line with God's standards. A life lived in line with God's standards. So this, so this is who Simeon was. He, he was a righteous man, but he was also devout. And that, work, that word devout, if you circle it, the Greek word for the, or the Greek meaning for that word is God-fearing or committed to God. So he lived a life in line with God's standards, but was also committed to God. These are things that we can emulate in our life. We can live according to God's standards by the grace of God, and we can also live committed to God. Now, how do we do that? The same way that Simeon did it. If you read there, Simeon, it was said that the Holy Spirit was on him. Now, the Holy Spirit, we talked about this in our last series, that the way the Holy Spirit moves and acts um, is different now than what it was in the Old Testament or even before Jesus came on the scene. So at that time, the Holy Spirit would be on certain people at certain times. After Jesus came, as he did at Christmas, lived a holy life, um, and then died, paid a penalty for our sins, conquered death by raising from the grave, and ascended up to heaven, 50 days after that, at Pentecost the Holy Spirit was given to the followers of Jesus for those who put their hope in him. So for us today, when we make Jesus Lord of our life, we have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to be in our life as it was with Simeon here. We see that the Holy Spirit was on him and the Holy Spirit guided him. And that same power, that same spirit is available to us when we put our hope and our faith in Jesus. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can live a life in the right standards, in line with God's teaching, and also live devout, committed lives to him. In this section, we see Simeon has put his hope in action. We see his faith in this story. He was told that he was not going to die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. 
And that is something that he put his hope in. That is something that propelled him to live a life of faith because he trusted the words that the Holy Spirit had told him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. Now, for you and for me, we may not have been promised that we will not die until the Lord comes back a second time. That was a promise that was just for Simeon. But it is the reality that we can live our lives because no one knows when Christ is going to return. We can live our lives with that posture. We can live our lives as a way in saying that we don't know when Christ is going to return, but our hope and our faith is in that. And because our hope and our faith is in Christ's return, we are going to put our faith in action, our hope in action through faith and live differently. We're going to allow that faith to compel us and to propel us into living a life that God has called us to live, just as Simeon did. So if you want to write something down, here's another little note to write. We can live a life that is to God's standard, by grace, through faith in Jesus, and committed to God through good times and bad. And we can allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. We can allow hope that we have in Jesus to move us to action or to faith. Now, again, as we go through these things and you're writing things down, let me take a little bit of anxiety away from you. If you don't get everything written down, we got a little QR code in front of you. If you scan that, all of the slides that you see up here will be on your phone. So you can go back later and finish the sentence if you didn't get it all in. Don't worry about it. That's all available. You can always go back and find that. But this kind of life for us is possible. And I believe it's beneficial and also useful to notice what Simeon says. So not only the life that he lived and the characteristics that surrounded his life, but what did he say and why does that matter? Because what he does when he holds Jesus in his arms, he prophesies, he, he foretells his future a little bit. And in this, what he does is he not only says that the salvation is here for the Jewish people, but he says the salvation is here for the Gentiles. If you want to circle that word Gentiles, off to the side, that Greek word can also be translated as the nations. So again, back in, in, from a Jewish worldview, which Jesus is Jewish, you were either Jewish or you weren't. And if you weren't, you were considered a Gentile. So the nations here. And Luke as, as um, Simeon does here, Simeon says, this is going to be good for the Jews. We're going to see salvation and redemption and glory to God through the Jewish people. Also, this is going to be a revelation of hope to those who are not Jewish, to the nations. And Luke, in his writing, does the exact same thing. So as we go through the book of Luke from now until Easter, we will see that, yes, he is primarily talking, and Jesus' primary ministry is to the Jewish people. Now, there are times as he goes from place to place where he will interact with Gentiles, but for the most part, he interacts with Jews, and Luke records that in his gospel. But you know what Luke does in his second writing, the book of Acts? That's where we see the message of Jesus taken to the nations. And that the hope that the Jewish people found in Jesus and in that redemption is also available to the nations around the world and the Gentiles. And Luke does this in his gospel, but also in his follow-up in the book of Acts. So it's important for us to notice that. It's also important for us to notice that Simeon foretells that Jesus' life 
is going to be divisive. It's going to cause the rise and the fall of many. It's going to reveal the hearts of men. What a great thing for Mary to hear. She's her son is getting dedicated to the Lord, that your son's life is going to cause division and that your soul is going to be uh, pierced by a sword and that many hearts are going to be revealed. But the truth of the matter is, because of Jesus, we cannot fake faith. Because of who Jesus is, we cannot fake faith. Because truly what is in our hearts will be revealed. And that's a humbling reality. That when it comes, we can put a good face on for a lot of people. But when it comes to our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with God, we cannot fake faith with Him because Jesus came to reveal what's in our hearts. And the reality is, if we are going to have faith in Christ... It starts with making sure that we are living a life in and through the Holy Spirit in line with His standards and committed to Him. And through that, our hope, when we put it in that, faith will be revealed. And faith is not something that can be faked. It is something that is genuine because of Jesus' life. Before I was uh, here at Calvary, I was a youth pastor. And one of the things I got to do as a youth pastor is I, got, I had the opportunity to take students, high school students, to CIY. And if you don't know what CIY is, it is a summer camp for a week, a week-long camp where students go to a college campus somewhere and they're with a couple thousand other high school students and there's a lot of worship and good teaching and dialogue and it is a great week. So if you have a high schooler, I know if you go to the registrations app, you can sign up for that. It is worth the investment into your child's life and into your child's faith and when you send them to this camp. It is, a, it is a, a amazing week. And I had the opportunity of leading a group there. Now, when you go, it is a tiring week. And if you're here and you've been a chaperone or being an adult supervisor at CIY, thank you. It's a long week. Because not only are you trying to be present with the students as they're walking through what God is doing, but also they're students. And so because of that, they're going crazy and they want to do this. And you got to make sure everything's going well emotionally, relationally. People are getting along. No one's fighting. Also, there are some major things that God's doing in people's lives. And because of this, you want to be present for that. So as a leader, it's a little bit more stressful. And there's a lot to do. And it's a very tiring week. week. Worth it, but tiring. And so one of the things they do for the leaders is that every day after breakfast, there's a time for the leaders to go to a meeting to kind of understand what's going to happen today. What are the topics that are going to be covered? And how can we, so that, so as leaders, we're best prepared to walk alongside them. Extremely helpful. So the first day I'm there, and I'm kind of taking all of this stuff in, and I noticed this older gentleman who's kind of sitting over to my right. Well, again, uber extrovert here. So, hey, there's a guy sitting there. Why not go talk to him? I'm sure he's going to want to talk to me because who doesn't just like to talk to people? So I move right over and I start to talk to him, introduce myself and say, hey, do you have a, do you have a group here? No, I don't. don't have a group here. Okay. Well, what are, what are you doing here? He said, well, my purpose here this week is to be a blessing to you and to the other leaders here. And my job as I walk around this week is to make sure that I am praying for the youth pastors, for the youth leaders, 
And that you know that if you, as you go through this week, if you need to talk to anyone, if you need someone just to, to, to digest things with, I'm here just to pray with you, and I'm praying for you this week. And man, that was so good for my soul. Because I was, I was a little bit stressed on how things were going to go, but every time I would see him throughout the rest of the week, he'd be walking around, different games, things going on, he'd just give me a little wave. And I knew that he was praying for me. And his blessing on me and being a blessing for me that week, his presence meant the world. And this is something that I believe we see, well, I I know we see here with Simeon. What's the first thing that Simeon does after he prophesies? He blesses Mary and Joseph. And this is something that I think as followers of Jesus, this is a reality that we don't tap into enough. The reality of blessing others. Because let me ask you, when was the last time that you, or I can include myself, when was the last time that we actually blessed someone? Went out of our way to encourage or to bless someone? I know for me, it's not a regular occurrence in my life. And maybe also, let's, let's maybe reframe this a little bit. Maybe this idea of blessing, that's not really a word that we use all that much. So, and, and for as a male, it's not very masculine. Um, so let's say instead of blessing, let's maybe say, have you ever spoken or when was the last time that you have spoken into someone's life where you've noticed something about them and spoken in and encouraged them? I believe that this is something that we can do And when we do that, when we bless or encourage one another or those around us, it gives us an opportunity to demonstrate the hope of the kingdom of God to other people. So there's a podcast that I listen to on occasion. It's a leadership podcast by Kerry Newhoff. And he's interviewing, he's, a couple years ago, he interviewed this guy named Gordon McDonald. And Gordon McDonald was this famous pastor that had a little bit of a fall from grace and has now come back into it. Um, and he's 80 years old. And so he's seen his ministry now as how can I encourage those leaders that are younger than me? As he says, there's not a whole lot of people who are older than me now. And his, a lot of times he says, my view from 80. And one of the things he says, the biggest, most impactful things that he did in all of his ministry was blessing other people. He pastored, I believe it was Connecticut, New Jersey, somewhere in that New England area. And when 9-11 happened, What he was able to do is he got in his car and a group of pastors went down. And while they were there, one of the things that they did to the people, those first responders, those who were going through tragedy, is he just went and he prayed blessing over them. And he saw, he said, he saw how the countenance of people changed when he just said, hey, could I bless you real quick? Could I pray for you? Now, again, we are not living in a time and it's not as um, tumultuous as what that time immediately after 9-11 was. But the reality is this. I don't believe that anyone in our circles, if we said, hey, could I, could I bless you real quick? Or hey, I noticed this in you. I'd like to encourage you because I see this in you. I don't think anyone's going to say, oh, I don't have time for that. Please don't. No, I don't want your blessing. No, I don't want your prayers. No, whether they're a follower of Jesus or not, That is an avenue for us to speak into others' lives in a way that will encourage them and build them up, as we see Simeon here. And again, as a reminder, faith is hope in action. Let's continue reading the prophetess Anna in Luke 2, 36-38. 
There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. And she was well along in years and have lived with her husband seven years after marriage and was widowed for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. And at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. One thing we can see with Anna is that she had committed her life to the Lord. After she was widowed, she didn't leave the temple and was there day and night praying and fasting. And again, we see her hope is in the redemption of Israel, that the Messiah would come. And what was the first thing when she saw the baby Jesus? She praised God. She gave thanks to God. So here is another avenue that we can emulate. Another aspect, another characteristic that we can emulate is that we can give thanks to God. We can praise Him. Yes, we can maybe take it a step further. We can raise the bar and prayer and fasting can be a part of that. But even just entry level, what can we do to be thankful as we see Anna here? And also to point out too, Luke's very intentional with this. We're going to see this as we continue through Luke. Luke makes an intentional um, uh, effort to highlight women. In all of the Gospels, we're going to see the importance that women play in the ministry of Jesus. We see it here with Anna. Not only does he give us Simeon, but he also gives us Anna to see that women and the role that women play in empowering them as well. So we'll see that's a theme that's going to continue. But in the life of Anna, we see she was a devoted, devoted woman of God, gave herself to prayer and fasting, and her response out of that is giving thanks. Now as we finish up today, the last section of Scripture that I'd like us to locus focus on or to see in the life of Simeon and Anna is this. They were both older in years. Anna was probably well over 100 years old. If she was married for seven years, about this time, usually young girls would, or girls would get married between 14 and 16. And so because of that, she would have probably been a 21, 20 winner when um, her husband passed away and she'd been widowed for 84. So she is probably well over 100 years old. Now, Simeon, we don't know how old he is, um, but we do know that he was comfortable and okay with dying. And so he knew, he told God, you can take me now. And so I'm guessing he's probably a little bit farther along in years. And why do I want to point this out? Because I want to notice that their faith is something that was built over time and with intentionality. Their faith was built over time and with intentionality. And the reality is this, for all of us, we have a different base level of faith or trust that we work, that we operate out of. So for me, I'm usually a pretty trusting person, which has been helpful at times. It's also been a little bit to my detriment at times because I trust people more often than not. And we all have a base level of trust, trust or faith, but the reality is no matter where we fall on that line, there is growth available to us. And that growth that's available to us comes with intentionality and over time. We see here with Simeon and Anna that they lived lives to God's standards with a healthy fear of God, which according to the Proverbs is the beginning of wisdom, so they were wise, through blessing others, giving thanks to God, and through prayer and fasting. This was their intentional living. This is how they intentionally strengthened their faith over time. So my question for us today then is, what are those areas in your life that you need to be more intentional with? 
What are the areas in my life that I need to be more intentional with? What is Jesus inviting us into? Because the reality is this. Jesus is not going to force anything on us, but he is going to invite us into things. And when he invites us into things, he does it graciously, and he understands that it's going to take time. We live in a microwave society that thinks we need to have instant change right away. Jesus knows better than that, knows that that's not going to be a reality, but he does invite us into some deeper waters. And when we step into those deeper waters, it is going to test our faith a bit. But we can trust that he will give us what we need in the time that we need it. But if we are going to put our hope in him, if we are going to build our faith, that is something that is going to happen over time and with intentionality. Now, I do want to step away here for a moment from the book of Luke to go to Hebrews, because if you're going to preach a sermon on faith, you need to go to Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. And so for us, let's get a biblical definition of what faith is as a reminder as we wrap things up here. This is what the author of Hebrews says. Again, Hebrews is Israel, so this is what the author says to the people of God. Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. For by our ancestors we were approved. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Now, I apologize for this, but it's just the reality. When I preach, we're going to get a little bit of Dallas Willard and a little bit of Eugene Peterson, Richard Foster. They're always going to kind of find their way. So I'd like to give us a little Eugene today. He was the guy who um, translated uh, the message version of the Bible or paraphrased the message version. And I love how he puts it. So Hebrews 11.1.2, according to Eugene Peterson and his paraphrases, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. Their faith is what set them above the crowd. That same faith, that same invitation is available for us. Our faith is what can help distinguish us, just like it did our ancestors. From Abraham, Moses, David, Daniel, Paul, Luke, or maybe even, not maybe, also, when I say that faithful person, when we talked about being someone who's lived a long, faithful life, That person who's coming to your mind, maybe it's an aunt, a grandparent, someone who has spoken or blessed you, what set them above everyone else or what set them apart was their faith, their hope in action. And that same reality is available for us today. So as we remember and celebrate Christ's coming at Christmas and anticipate his second coming, let's remember those stories of those live lives who came before us. From the pages of the Bible to our own stories, let's remember those and let's emulate as we step into maturity, as we desire to grow, let's step in and emulate some of these characteristics. So that leads us to our daily training today. And our daily training today is this. This week, I encourage you to bless someone with words of encouragement and kindness. This could be a coworker, this could be a spouse, a roommate, a child, 
But I would encourage all of us this week to take a step out of our comfort zone and let's bless someone. Let's speak into someone's life. And as we do that, as that continues to propel our faith, as we put our hope in action by blessing others, it's going to allow us to demonstrate the hope that we have in Jesus and how we see that in other people's lives. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Father, the reality is we all have room to grow. We all have spaces in our life that need to mature. And I don't know what everyone else is walking through right now. And for those who are maybe thinking right now, bless someone this week, I'm not even sure if I'm going to be able to get through this week, let alone pay attention to someone else and bless them. I pray, Lord, that we would, they would, and we would all experience your nearness and your closeness to us. That you are Emmanuel, God with us through the good times and the bad. And Father, our desire is to live a life that is in line with your standards, committed to you through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so we surrender that to you now. We surrender the control. We, can, we surrender the way that we try to manipulate our day-to-day -day and say, Lord, we just want to live a life that is in line with you. And Father, as I pray that now, I am so aware of your patience with me and with all of us as we're in process to being the men and women that you have created us to be. So help us to bless others. Help us to spur one another on. Help us to be grateful for the things that you're doing in our life. Be with us this week. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.